Good morning, Maple Grove. You know, uh, as you guys can tell from looking at Pastor, he's got that big cast on, he's had surgery, you know, and the surgery is such that, I mean, he can't really, he can't do anything. No yard work, no weight lifting, right? I mean, it's even bad enough he can't get on a keyboard, can't even use a pen, because that motion would cause minor tears. So because of that, he can't do the things that he normally does. And what happens to a guy when he can't do the things he normally does? He's out of his mind, Right? It is with that mindset that he said, hey, Mark, would you like to preach on Sunday? <laughs> so here I am. So, uh, but what I'd like to do is I'd like to share with you guys, I'm going to fr- pray first, but what I'd like to do is I'd like to go through and start off with what I thought God laid on my heart, and then how he changed it, and then where I am now. So if you'd like to come along with me, I'd love to have you, um, and uh, we're going to go through this, and we're going to see how God kind of changed the message today. And uh, are you with me? All right, so let's try and not go on commercial break, but let's go ahead and start off and pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing us together, Lord. Thank you for the rain has moved out. It's beautiful and sunny outside. Thank you for mission meals going to happen after church today, Lord. Thank you for fried chicken. Um, Lord Jesus, you're a good God, and you give good things to your people. Even when it's hard, Lord, your intent is to to give good things to your people, and we're grateful for that. Lord, we open our hearts, our minds to hear from you today. Lord, just let me decrease, you know, don't let it be for me, let it be all from you. And Father, we just look forward to seeing what you reveal today, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so, yeah, I'm nervous, but I'm kind of happy to be up here. And I thought, after I was asked to come up here, I thought, you know, I'm kind of happy, maybe God's telling me to talk about happiness today. So, I was doing some research, and I came across this video, and the video actually ties into my name tag. My name tag says, hi, my name is... Mac, M-A-H-K, and I am from Boston, B-A-H-S-T-A-N. So, but this video is actually from Harvard University, and it talks about happiness. So you guys go ahead and play the video. It's about five, six and a half minutes long. It's a very interesting study from Harvard University. That video is five years old now. For 80 years, they've been looking at 700 guys, and they've determined these three things that lead to happiness. So I thought, well, obviously, it comes from Harvard, I'm a hometown boy, time to talk about happiness. So I thought, since it pointed to relationships, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back and look at the relationships that Christ had and see how they gave him happiness. And so, you know, Jesus starts to call his disciples in Luke chapter 5. So I'm a good Christian. I'm an overachiever. I went to Luke chapter 4. So, but what 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 hit me here was a, a scripture that, that kind of stopped me in my tracks. Like you guys know, sometimes you read a scripture a hundred times, and then you hit it that one time, and boom, it just hits you a different way. So I want to bring your attention to uh, Luke chapter 4, uh, verses 14 through 21. We can put that up on. And I've got to read it here because my glasses are kind of dirty. <laughs> he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up and read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up a scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Now at this point, I'm like, this is kind of a drop-the-mic moment, right? Jesus reads the scroll, and he sits down. And it says, all the eyes 
of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he's just sitting there. And then he began by saying, today, this scripture is fulfilled within your hearing. This is an important scripture. It's back in Isaiah chapter 61. It is a scripture that is saying, this is the Messiah. This is what the Messiah will do. Jesus is basically standing up and saying, I am the Messiah. In your hearing, I have come. You know, it's a pivotal point in history. You know, this Harvard University study, they say, hey, this is a pretty big deal in history. We studied 740 guys for 75 years. It's a pretty big thing in history. This is probably one of the biggest moments in history. The Bible had been, or the prophets have been silent for 400 years. They've been waiting for the Messiah. Jesus is born, there's angels talking, some things are happening, then there's a little bit of quiet. Now Jesus gets baptized, he goes out into the wilderness, he's tempted for 40 days. After he's done with that, what happens? He goes home to Nazareth and he preaches this sermon in the synagogue. And he says, I'm the Messiah, time to start my ministry. He laid down a very clear signpost here. Very clear, crystal clear signpost for all of human history to point to. And that signpost says, the Messiah has come. All of the Old Testament was pointing, basically, to this moment. Pretty amazing. Now I've ran out of my memory, now I have to go to my notes. All right, so Jesus lays us down. He announces the Messiah. And one of the critical parts of announcing these Messiah, one of the critical things of bringing this 400 years of silence to, to, to back open again, is that it's a sign, it's a fulfillment of God's promises. God's promises are real. When you're waiting for a long time, God's promises don't seem real. You're kind of hanging on by your fingernails, you're waiting. But God's promises are real. Um, It's important because this had been predicted. This moment had been predicted throughout the Bible. You can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. All the way back to the beginning, this moment was predicted. Um, And how do we know that? It's not just because there was one scripture about it. There's a bunch of scriptures about it. All the way in Romans 16, 20, it's confirmed that this sermon... And this message was also confirmed back in Genesis. Um, So from that signpost that the Messiah has come, the people of that time could find a lot of peace. It's going to take time for word to come out. But that signpost is important. Um, How many people here use GPS? How many people remember a day without GPS? (laughs) All right. I'm talking to everybody, but this may ring true for more, some more than others. You ever been lost? Right, guys usually are looking at their feet right now. I'm never lost, right? If you've been lost, what are you looking for? You're looking for a sign, right? Anything. Mile marker, something, all right? Actually, all right, let me make it a little clearer to you. Sunday morning, you got to get to church, you're looking for a Dunkin' Donuts, all right? You see the sign, Dunkin' Donuts, 2.3 miles ahead. You want that... Bavarian cream, bad Johnny that is like 800 calories. You want it so bad. 2.2 miles comes, no Dunkin' Donuts. 2.3 miles comes, no Dunkin' Donuts. Your stomach is telling you, we need a Dunkin' Donuts about right now. 
you have faith that that sign is right, right? You have some peace. There's got to be a Dunkin' Donuts around here somewhere. There's a sign back there that told me. And sure enough, there it is. Signposts bring us peace. We crave signposts in our lives. We search for them. And here, Jesus gives out that first signpost, that first signpost of peace. Uh, So what's the next signpost? It's got to be more than one, right? Well, the next one's pretty easy, okay? Um, You can call it 1 John 1, 9 through 10, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Mark 16, 6, but really, I'm going to read from Acts 2.38, if you can bring that up. Jesus said, or, or they're preaching, and the people ask, well, how do we be saved? How can we be saved? Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Backed up in multiple scriptures. Really, salvation is the second signpost, isn't it? Once you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, then there's some things that have to happen for that to be true. He's got to be crucified. He's got to die. He's got to be buried. On the third day, he's got to rise again in fulfillment of the scriptures. And then he's going to ascend it to heaven and see at the right hand of the Father. A second pivotal moment in history. One that the entire church rests upon. A lot of people believe that Jesus existed. But Christians believe that Jesus died and rose again. And that we too will be brought into heaven. The second signpost is pretty easy, right? Salvation. Salvation gives you a lot of peace. Um, it's, it's one of those things where when everything else is coming off the rails, you can at least go, I'm saved. Um, but I want to go back to something I said earlier. Remember how I said that God changed my message? So... I got this Harvard study thing floating around in my head, right? Now I'm reading about apostles and signposts and Jesus and these pivotal moments in history, and, and I'm kind of like, where do I go with all of this? In the meantime, pastor's like, hey, I kind of need to see an outline of your sermon so I know that you are not a nut job and people aren't going to you know, start marching on the church with torches and pitchforks, right? So I sent him out this outline. He calls me. Hey, everything looks good, but... Forgot to mention one thing. By the way, it's Pentecost Sunday. So make sure you mention that. I mean, just an aside, right? Not even a thought like, hey, it's Pentecost Sunday. Brother, make sure you mention that. And I'm on the phone and my jaw drops. Like, Pentecost Sunday, I know what that is. I've been coming to church for a while. Pentecost means 50, right? 50 days after Christ was crucified, all the apostles are in an upper room. They're waiting together. And then they get to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what Pentecost is. So how does that stop me in my tracks? How does that relate to these signposts? Well, it goes back to some directions that they got from Jesus. If you could put Acts 1-4 up. So Jesus, before he ascends into heaven, these are the last things he says. He says, hey, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then verse 8 goes on to say, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, 
the apostles, you know, they had understood signpost number one. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They saw him be crucified, died, buried, and be resurrected. They understood and believed signpost number two. But it wasn't until the day of Pentecost when they received the Holy Spirit that they truly understood. Because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. It's our informer. It's the one that helps guide us along this path. So now it's starting to come crystal clear in my mind. All right, I'm talking about signposts, but really, these signposts are interpreted by the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, really, the first two signposts, the Messiah, that was given without the Holy Spirit. Hey, anybody can understand that. If you're a non-believer, if you're an atheist, if you're the if you're from the deepest, darkest corners of the world and you've never been preached to before, when you're spoken to, you can understand the Messiah. The next thing you can do is anybody can understand salvation. Anybody. But once you're saved and you're baptized, you now have the Holy Spirit. You now have the ability to interpret signposts on your own. The first two are given. The first two point to Jesus Christ. It points to the most important points in history and that you can be saved. From there, Jesus has got a mission for you. Pentecost was the day that the mission was given to the church, right? This is really the beginning of the church age. They now know what they're supposed to do. They have signpost number three. Go and preach. Go out and spread this word. And you all know what happened. 3,000 people were saved that day in one sermon. They're speaking in tongues. Everybody understands them. People are like, are your people drunk? No, they're not drunk. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. It is an amazing point in history. So I got a question for you. What signposts have you seen lately? Um, are you lost? Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Have you, have you hooked on a signpost number one? If you have, have you accepted him as your personal savior? Signpost number two? If you haven't, we've got to have that conversation now. But if you have, my question is, are you lost? Are you still looking? You know, this Harvard thing that I put up here, a lot of people would latch on to that, right? I need happiness. I need something in my life. Here's a video from Harvard University, one of the most respected colleges on the planet. It has got to be true. I can hang my hat on it. That must be a sign. It must be a signpost for me to hang my hat on. It's all about relationships. Only Jesus creates a signpost. You've got to go back to him. He's the Messiah. He died for your sins. Once you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he can guide you. If you haven't heard from him in a while, it's kind of gut check time. You know, my wife and I, when we first got saved, she's probably groaning right now because she knows the story's coming. So I'm Irish, so I've got to tell a story. Um, when we were first started going back to church, we're going to church in San Diego, and there was this couple, great couple. They had like five kids. Not a lot of luck with money, though. And they wanted to go to Knott's Berry Farm, about, I don't know, 250 miles away. We had just bought a car. 
This was the first automobile I ever owned with air conditioning, okay? I was pretty stoked about the little silver Ford Escort, right? Great little car. We had had this car for days. We drove it into church. We're like, look at us. So they came to us. They're like, hey, uh, can we borrow your car? Our car doesn't have air conditioning, and we want to go up to take the kids up to Knott's Berry Farm, and we'd like to borrow your car for like two days. And Debbie and I were stunned, right? And then we go home, right? So now no longer do we have the fakey fake Christian voice on, right? Now we're at home. How can they even ask that? How rude is that? They want to borrow our car? So we're arguing about this. What do we do? And, you know, and so anyway, we decided, all right, we're going to put this God stuff to the test. If I can find it in the Bible, I'll let him borrow my car. I'm pretty sure the Bible doesn't talk about Ford Escorts. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Luke chapter 6, verses 30 through 35. Give to everyone who asks you. Really? <laughs> Give to everyone who asks you. If anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. Do to others as you would have due to you. I'm taking a knee at this point, like, whoa, right? It goes on. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. After about 11 minutes of silence in our house, <laughs> we're like, all right. Called him up. Of course you can use the car. I bring that out not to bring attention to me, but to give you an example of, Debbie and I had just recommitted our lives back to the church, right? We were just getting back to church, doing it regular, reading our Bible. And I needed a signpost. I needed to know what was right and wrong. I even had attitude about it. You can tell in my voice, I did not want to find that verse, okay? But because I had believed signpost number one, that Jesus was the Messiah, and number two, that he was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again, and then I was baptized, and I had the Holy Spirit in me, and then I could understand God, I could understand his word, I can follow his direction for my life. Since I had those as a cornerstone of my life, signpost number three for me, let somebody borrow your car. Now, I've had a bunch of other signposts in my life, and you know, there are sometimes when you're sitting in a place and life stinks at that moment, and you're not happy about it, and you're starting to wonder, what do we do? We go, how did I get here? And you start looking back. You're going to want some signposts to look back on. You're going to want to have some confirmation that you're where you're supposed to be. These signposts give you peace. You have the ability to understand these signposts. Chances are, you're going through your life surrounded by signposts. You may be going too fast to read some of them. You ever done that? I've blown through many a sign. 
Um, my wife and I, when we were first married, we were going to New Hampshire. She had the map. I had the wheel. We went by the sign that said, New Hampshire, take a right. We wound up in a completely different state, almost a different country. So, so chances are, these signposts are all around you. Um, you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you're saved, to interpret what's happening in your life. But if you don't, you're probably looking for anything, right? Any sign will do when you're in a storm. You drift around, you may latch onto a Harvard study, this is as good as anything else, and you grab onto it. And that'll drift you for a while, and then you're looking for something else, and you're looking for something else, and you're way out there. And pretty soon you're like, where am I? I am completely lost. I am hopelessly lost. I know I can't be the only one who's felt that way. I know I can't be the only one who's felt that way after being saved. Right? I mean, if we're being real, and let's be real, sometimes you're lost. You're hopelessly lost. The good news is, God's put everything in you to be able to find and read those signposts so that no matter where you are in life, you can look back on them. Signposts of peace. I can't tell you how many times I've had to look back on them. You know, uh, one time we had to go through a medical thing. That medical thing required surgery. Had the surgery. Surgery results weren't good. Resulted in some damage, some permanent damage. Some permanent pain damage. Um, you know, my wife and I, we can't really kiss like normal people do. She's got a lot of nerve damage in her face. Um, but you know, we prayed about that surgery. I know God wanted us to have that surgery. Do you know why I know that? Because we prayed about it, we sought some guidance in the word, and we got some confirmation as we were going through the process. The doctor said, listen, she has to have this surgery because her airway is so constricted that she was ever in a car accident. She ever had something happen and they tried to intubate her, she would die because her but her airway is so restricted. We have to move her jaw forward. All right. We stood on that. When the pain's bad, when it's February 14th, Valentine's Day, and I can't kiss my wife, I got to look back on that side post of peace. They're not all easy, right? So, one day you're going to say, I did not mean to turn onto Cancer Avenue. Why am I on Heart Attack Street? Why am I racing down Broken Relationship Drive? Look back on your signposts. Did you pray? Did you seek his response? Did you wait? Did you read his word regularly? Because really, here's the deep, dark secret, right? We're all friends in here, right? I love you guys like brothers and sisters. We're all friends. But here's the dark secret. We know what the answer is. We know what the cure is to the disease, right? reading our Bible. It's prayer. How hard is it to do that? How hard is it? Before pastor asked me to come up here and preach, I mean, I was just like you, right? It'd be a week. Man, I haven't even read my Bible this week. It's been out in the back seat of the car, right? I've been doing this for a long time. My car is in the back, my Bible is in the back seat of my car for a week. Who am I to stand up here? I'm just like you guys. 
And that's really where God changed this sermon. I want to talk about happiness. I wanted to come up here and talk jokes. I want to be funny. I love being funny, right? I mean, look at my name tag. I'm Mac from Boston, right? I love being funny. I love that attention. But that's not the point. It's not about me. What I want doesn't matter. But the key here is that God changed this message. And I followed his signposts. And I know that that message has got to ring true for a couple of folks here. So last thing. And I'm told that when you're preaching, you have three last things. (laughs) So, last thing. Are you lost? Have you blown past some signposts in your life? Do you not know where you are? Are you out of control? Are you driving aimlessly? In your heart, if you answered yes to any of those things, rest assured, it's okay. You're among good company. There are three signposts. The first one is Jesus is the Messiah. You can trust God's promises. He brought the people through years of hardship, 400 years of silence, and then he said, the Messiah has come. Three years later, the next signpost comes up. Guess what? Jesus is a Christ. He was crucified, died, and was buried. He was raised again on the third day, and you can be saved, and you can have the Holy Spirit dwell in you. Signpost number three, that's the one you've got to read. And it's probably the most important thing. And it is, the whole universe is designed for you to find it, because it's right here in this Bible, and it's right there in your quiet time when you pray. And it happens on Sunday morning when you sit and you hear good Bible-based preaching from this church or any other good Bible-based church that you go to. It's there in the council, the godly council of your friends. Okay? You're designed to hear it. God is there to show you the way. So this is my closing, my second closing. (laughs) I may only go with two. I'm going to pray with you guys. And and I don't want this to be about me. I want you to really think about the scriptures that are up here and the fact that all this conspired and that God, that I had this worldly message that I was going to talk about and that God changed it. And if I can have that happen in my heart and I can see a signpost and I can change direction, you can too. So what I'd like to do is I'd like you all to bow your head, close your eyes. Please no looking around. Okay? Bow your head and close your eyes. We're not praying yet, so don't tune out. But keep your head down and your eyes closed. Because I'm going to ask you again. Is anybody lost? Is anybody struggling with their faith? I see that hand. If you are, raise a hand up, nod ahead, give me a sign. Are you struggling with your faith? If you are, you need to get to signpost number one. Jesus is the Messiah. You've got you to nail that one down. Guess what? Me, pastor, the elders, we're here for you. And if you raise your hand, you will be prayed for. Keep your eyes down, keep your eyes, keep your eyes closed, your heads down. Question number two. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Are you struggling with this point? Have you not yet been baptized? Is this something that you're laboring under? If it is, just pop up a hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. 
I see that hand. I saw that finger. Thank you. Thank you for being honest, a couple of folks. Last question. Eyes down. Eyes closed, heads down. Last question. My third closing. Are you lost? Do you not know where to go? Have you whizzed past so many signposts, and you don't know where you are? If you are, just put up a finger. Nod a head. I see that hand. I saw that hand. I see the nod of that head. Thank you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm here to tell you. This is a place you can find signposts. And that today, this day of Pentecost, Jesus Christ is telling you, I got the first two signposts for you. When you nail those down, you and I together can figure out number three. Come to me. Read my word. Pray with me. Talk to your brothers and sisters. They're there for you. So I'm going to ask the praise and worship team to come on up. Keep your head down. Keep your eyes closed. While they play, I'm just going to ask, if you feel prompted to come forward, I'm not putting any pressure on you. Come forward. It could be that you're coming forward as a signpost to somebody else, that they come forward. There's folks here who are ready to pray for you. If you are struggling with your faith, come on up. We'll pray. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you haven't been baptized, that baptismal is sweet right now. Water, perfect temperature. You can have it done today. If you're lost, if you're struggling, if you don't know what the next corner is, if you've whizzed past a lot of exit signs, a lot of signposts, you don't know where you are, and God is prompting you, come forward. We'll pray with you. If nobody comes forward, it's not going to break my heart. I'm not going to think that I failed. Because I can see the heads nodding. I can see the tears that are out there. So I'm going to pray, and after that, the altar's open. Come forward. The team's going to play, and the pastor's going to come up, and he's going he's to do uh, um, um, the elements. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that throughout history, from Genesis 3 till the day of Pentecost, you've given us two clear signs and fulfilled your promises. Lord, we need direction. So, Father, I pray that if anybody here and they need to come forward, Lord, that you just prick their hearts. Lord, I lift up those folks. I saw several hands come up, Lord, that they did not know who the Messiah was, that they're struggling with that. Lord, be with them. Father, I saw a couple other folks struggling with salvation and baptism. I saw a couple of hands, a couple of fingers go up, Lord. Father, I pray that you give them the courage. Give us the insight to be able to reach out to them. And Father, we also pray. Lord, we're all looking for signpost number three. Lord, bring your people forward, but in the, or in the quiet of their heart, Lord. So we pray together. We love you. Help us to find these signposts in your word. Help us to continually be refreshed by your word. Lead us, Lord, because we don't know where we're going. We don't have a GPS for this, and we need you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We know you're a good father. If we ask for a fish, you won't give us a stone, Lord. So we're asking for direction. We're asking for wisdom. And Lord, with that, we conclude in the quiet of our own hearts. In Jesus' name.